you listen real close, you can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go on, lean in. Listen. You hear it? <clears throat> That is uh, one of my favorite films of all time. So when we locked in and said that we were going to do 80s movies, one of the first things I did was hopped on Google. I was like, was that 80s? I think it was. And so I was pretty pumped to discover that it was. And it's been one of my favorite movies since the very first time that I saw it. In fact, Bill said, uh, in fact, this is my best professor get up, by the way. So I don't know if I'm pulling it off or not, but it's the closest thing I own. Um, but Bill told me last week, he said, of course we were going to do Dead Poets Society. That's like your heart captured in a movie. Um, and I take that as a pretty big compliment. I do. I, I have a man crush on Robin Williams' character uh, in this film. Um, incredibly inspirational figure. Um, and this particular scene, this last one that we watched, is one that has always been really moving to me. And if you've ever found yourself questioning whether your life matters or whether you have anything significant to contribute to the world, uh, you understand why. Right? Because we, under, we, we meet Todd Anderson in the film, and he's a scared kid. And we learn early in the film, I wish we had more time to show you more of his story and, and more of the character development, but his brother had gone to this very highly competitive prep school where most everybody goes to Ivy League schools when they're done. He's valedictorian, right, president of a number of clubs, and he graduated from the school a legend. And so when they found out Todd Anderson was coming, it's like, well, you're the brother of, of so-and-so. And he stepped into this massive shadow, and he knew, I'm not, I'm not my brother. I can't, do, I can't do what he did. Right? I'm not him. I don't have that. I'm not good with words. And, and he questions his value. He questions whether he has something to contribute. And then Mr. Keating looks at him and he sees something in him that he doesn't see in himself. Right? He sees within him that there is, there's something beautiful and there's something valuable that needs to be discovered, that needs to be cultivated, that needs to be shared with the world. Right? And I wonder if part of the reason I don't love this film is, is that's, that's my story. And, and that's your story too, right? Because the Bible, when you open it up, says that within every single person who is in Christ, right? So if you have crossed that line of faith at any point in time, that there is something inside of you that needs to be discovered. It says that the moment, a couple things happened, the moment that you crossed this line of faith. You see, we've been in this series um, and we've been talking about identity, right? And so the first week, if you weren't here, we talked about what it means to be created in the image of God. And whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, uh, you have been created in the image of God. Right? And then last week we talked about the moment that you crossed that line of faith, your identity, something about who you are, changed forever. That you've actually been made new. You have a new name, you have a new identity, that you are different before God. And this morning, I, I want to talk about something else that happens in you. The moment that you cross that line of faith, and this is true of every person in this room that is in Christ. And that is, uh, the Bible says a couple different things happen. First of all, God's Spirit is given to you and now dwells inside of you. This is why the Bible calls your body a temple, right? Because God's spirit is there, right? And he's put there for a number of different reasons. He's put there to help guide you, right? So you don't lead yourself off a cliff, right? He's there to, to help encourage you when you need it, to strengthen you when you need it. 
He's there to convict you when you're doing things you shouldn't be doing that are not going to lead to life, are only going to lead you to death. Right? But there's also something else he does, and that is that he, is, he empowers you in this really cool, in this very specific way. Right? And so I want, I want to look at a passage in Romans uh, chapter 12. And there's actually a number of different passages in Scripture that we could look at this. Um, but this says it really succinctly, and I love it. And this is, this is what it says. He says this in verse 4, that just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, which is the great metaphor of the church. Right? It refers to the church as Christ's body. Right? We're all connected together. Bones, ligament, tissues, muscle. Right? We're connected. It says we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Right? So Paul says this is, this is what the church is. Right, this thing that Jesus said is going to be so expansive and so powerful that not even the gates of hell would be able to stand against it, that it, the church, is actually made up of you and me. So it's not a building. Right, it's not the theater. You're not in church this morning. Right, you're with your church this morning. Right, and it's not an event as much as we love Sunday mornings, but it's actually this great movement of God. It's a movement of people. Right, that's what the, what the church is. And he goes on to say that, that for you and I, every single person who is a part of that movement, not only are you part of that movement, but you actually have a part in that movement. Right? So here's what he says next. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts, right? different capacities for doing certain things well. Right? So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, which might sound really weird to us, right? but different people, different cultures, different places, different communities of faith, even this morning within our own city. That's not weird. But he says, if that's your gift, then speak out with it as much, with as much faith as God has given you. Right? And if your gift is serving others, then serve them well. And if you're a teacher, teach well. Right? And if uh, your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. And if it's giving, give generously. And if God has given you the gift of leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Right, so let's not miss what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, if you are in Christ, God has given you a unique spiritual gift that is unique to you. Right, that he has given at least one gift to you. Very likely he's given you multiple gifts. And he's, he's given you that for a very specific reason. And that is to join him in what he wants to do in the world or what he's already doing. That you have a unique part to play in this movement of Jesus. And it's connected to this spiritual gift that God's placed in you already. Right now, if, if you're new to this whole church thing, and you say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I'm just checking this out, right? Or I got bribed by my friend, right? Or my boyfriend wouldn't leave me alone. Here we are. Um, this might sound really, really strange to you, right? But for you, this is really one of those things, like, just to kind of log away as you continue on your spiritual journey. Because you got to know that the moment you cross the line of faith, if you ever choose to do that, and honestly, it's my greatest prayer and hope that someday you will. If you do that, something in you profoundly changes in that moment. And one of those things is that God gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit. But the other thing that happens is that God actually gives you a spiritual gift, a unique capacity that was not there uh, before. So, so what exactly is a spiritual gift? This is, this is the best definition that I have. It's probably not the best uh, sentence, English-wise. <laughs> but I think it's the most accurate, right? So this is... This is uh, the definition of a spiritual gift. Right? A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability to develop a particular capacity for making a difference with your life through the church. Right? I'll read that again. A spiritual gift, it's a supernatural ability to develop a particular capacity for making a difference with your life 
through the church. And so, so there's all these different kinds of gifts. So, you know, the most obvious one probably in this moment all right, are there's, there's speaking gifts, there's teaching gifts, right? I, I have one of those, right? But there's also a ton of other gifts. So there's, there's people gifts, right? People gifts like, like encouragement and, and like serving and, and uh, counseling and hospitality and leadership and, and mercy, right? There's more like task-oriented, more service-oriented gifts, such as administrating, uh, administration or, or, or uh, giving or helps. And then there's, there's also creative gifts as well. Right, so there's creative gifts that are connected to craftsmanship, for example, right, or the arts, or just creativity in general. Right, the Bible has a number of lists. So if you hop on Google, I know we all have smartphones. So hop on Google, you'll find if you just look for spiritual gifts lists that are in the Bible, there's a number of lists, right, and there's some overlap, but no two lists are the same, right. And so I think when it comes to spiritual gifts and even these lists, like it's more like a suggestion of different ways that your unique spiritual gift can flesh itself out than it is an exhaustive list of all the possibilities, right? So how your particular spiritual gift fleshes itself out is completely unique to you, right? And its uniqueness is only limited by the Holy Spirit's uh, creativity, which, by the way, is not very limited, right? So that being said, there's a tension here that if you're anything like me, I think you probably feel. And if, if you've been around Mosaic for a long time, you realize, I feel a lot of tension, right? And I have to process through that. Um, and the tension for me is this, okay? Let's just say theoretically, like, this is, this is true, okay? And, and I realize there are things in the Bible that are not exactly clear. Um, there's sometimes we try to present them more clear than they actually are, right? And so as a pastor, there's some issues, like, I'm just not clear on when I read the Bible. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about this. I tend not to teach on those things, right? This is not one of those things. Right, this is one of those things that's very, very clear. So let's just assume for a second that the Bible is true. Right? And if it's true that every single person that's in Christ has been given this unique God-given capacity to participate in what he's doing in the world, specifically so that you can have an impact with your life on this world, if that is true that of every single person who is in Christ, the tension that I feel, and maybe you feel too, is why in the world are there not more lives of impact and difference? in the church, right? Why are there not more people who are living lives characterized by passion, right? By creativity, by purpose, right? By life, right? By impact. Why in the world is the church not having a greater impact on culture, right? Even in Mosaic, right? Let's just just get really honest for a second. Why in the world, as we just kind of survey our community over time, why are there some people Right, within our community, who are serving God and participating with God, and you look in the wake of their life, and you see impact. You see that the world behind them, it's a little bit different. It's not the same as it was. Why is that true of some of us? But then there's also a fairly good number of people where I look at their life, and they would say that they're in Christ, and they're a Christian, and we believe the same things, but their life is not characterized by life and passion and impact. Why is that? Right, and I, 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 think, I think the answer is, is hard to swallow, but it's simple. And it's that a lot of people who are in Christ, who have been given this spiritual gift, that for a lot of them, that this is a gift that has not yet been opened, has not been identified and mined out, has not been cultivated, and and it has not been shared with the world. And it's there, but it just hasn't been put to use yet. All right, but this is what Paul says in Colossians 4.17, he says, look, for those of you who are in Christ, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it, right? And First Peter 4.10, Peter says, God has given you, each of you, a gift. 
God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them to serve one another. Right? So this is something that has to be paid attention to. It has to actually be identified. It actually has to be put into action for it to do what it's supposed to do. Right? And also we find it's something that has to actually be developed over time. Like it's not something that you don't just wake up one morning and have this incredible gift. It actually has to be, it has to be cultivated and developed, which is why Paul says this to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verses 14 and 15. He says, look, do not neglect your gift. Right? Don't neglect your gift. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone can see your progress. Right, so let's just say, for example, that God has given you the spiritual gift of teaching. And you come up to me and you're like, Aaron, spiritual gift of teaching, give me a microphone. All right, first of all, it's not exactly how it works. Right? But also, like, I'm going to probably ask you some questions. It's like, okay, well, like, have you studied, for example? Well, no. It's like, okay, well, you clearly don't have the spiritual gift of discernment. Right? But the spiritual gift of teaching actually has to be like, developed. You, know, you actually have to study so you know what you're talking about. Right? Or if you have the spiritual gift of teaching, and in a room this size, I'm telling you, there are a number of people, you have the spiritual gift of teaching. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you roll out of bed, I've been given the spiritual gift of teaching, and you can just kill it from on stage. Right? It's something that actually has to be crafted and developed. You have to become a student of your gift and develop it. So it's a process. Okay? So all that to say, all right, I want to give you some, some, some kind of direction as far as uh, beginning to answer the question, like, how then do I discover how I'm gifted? Right? How, do, how do I begin to find that out right? and put that to work? Right? And so if you hop on your smartphone and you Google, you're going to find that there are some spiritual gifts surveys uh, where you actually take, like, a test, and it tells you maybe what your gifts are. Right? And, and generally, I'm not a huge fan of these. You can try them. They're, they're helpful for some people. But it assumes a couple different things to really work. Right? So one is that you've been a Christian for a while. And in a church like Mosaic, that's not really true of a lot of us. Right? And, and so you have to be a Christian for a while in order for it really to work. And secondly, that you're actually putting your gift uh, to work. And you've tried some things and failed at some things and succeeded at some things. So we're not going to go that route. I could talk on 14 spiritual gifts and give the assessment. We're not going to do that this morning. We don't have time for that, and that doesn't sound very exciting. So what I do want to do, though, is I want to give you four questions. Four kind of grids, four kind of lenses for you to kind of mine out how God has uniquely gifted you. Okay, so here's the first one. First question asked. All right, what do you lose yourself doing? All right, what do you just lose yourself in? What do you love so much that you just lose track of time? Right, so when I was, if you were to rewind the clock back in high school before I had any idea how I was gifted, right, if I was writing a paper or I was writing an article or I was writing like a blog post uh, back in like the Zanga days. Anybody remember Zanga sites? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I would, I would lose myself for hours, right? And you fast forward the clock to now, when I'm working on a message like this one, almost on a weekly basis, I will be working and I will look up and four to six hours have just gone by, right? I forget to eat lunch. It happens almost every single week because I just, I, I love it. And it doesn't mean it's not work. It's hard. It's very hard, but I'm so into it that I just lose myself in doing it. So for you, what is that thing, right? What is that thing that you just, love doing. You lose yourself in, right? Is it when there's a need, like an immediate need that's put in front of you that you can tangibly step into, right? If that's you, chances are that's probably connected to your spiritual gift. You might have a spiritual gift of, of helps right? or, or some kind of form of spiritual gift of serving. Um, another one, uh, if you love, do you love cooking for other people, having them over to your house, creating some kind of just great experience for guests? Well, that's probably, that's not normal. I'm not that way, right? That's probably connected to a spiritual gift of some kind of sp- form of hospitality, Right? Something that God has placed inside of you that is not true of everybody else. Right? Or are you a person that just loves stepping into a difficult situation and helping people work through that difficult situation? Well, there's probably a spiritual gift there. Right? Maybe of counseling or maybe of, of shepherding of some sort. 
right? Or do you love bringing order to chaos, right? Personally, organizationally perhaps, well, chances are really good that you have a spiritual gift of administration of some sort. And since you're at Mosaic, we need your help, just so you know, okay? So what is that? It's a good place to start. What do you, what do you lose yourself in? What do you love? All right, it's question number one, if you're taking notes. All right, number two, what drives you crazy? Right, when you walk into a church, for example, what just like drives you insane? It just grinds your gears. You're like, oh, I hate that when they do that. Right, that's probably connected to something. Right, and it may very well be connected to your gift. So like for myself, one of the things that drives me really nuts is lazy or unintentional use of language. Right, and so when I walk into, and I'm not judging you when we're having conversations, by the way. Right? I'm talking like culturally, organizationally, like, you know, that are just unintentional. It's like, okay, I get what they mean, but it's not serving their vision. It's actually working against their vision, right? That, that drives me nuts because that's connected to part of my spiritual gift is, is working and crafting with words and language, right? Or another one, another one that drives me insane, I can't handle it, is going to a church and either knowingly or unknowingly, right, they alienate people who don't believe as they do. Or they, can't, they just drive them away, judge them, pass judgment, just kind of condemning kind of personality whether they mean to or not. Well, that's because it's connected to my, my spiritual gifts, kind of a secondary gift of evangelism. Right? So for me, as my gift, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about all the people there that are listening in or in the room who don't believe like that. Right? They're seeking. They're on a journey. And they haven't landed where you've landed. And you're just running them away. Right? So what is that for you? What drives you crazy? What drives you crazy about Mosaic? Right, does it drive you nuts that we struggle to get started on time sometimes? You may have the spiritual gift of administration, right? And if you feel the need to correct me, sometimes, Aaron, sometimes you struggle to start on, start on time. You may have a strong gift in administration, <laughs> right? When I teach on a particular subject, right, do you have like, do you, do you struggle where you're like, oh, why didn't he quote this? And why didn't he, he cite this scholar or pull in this material, right? It would be so good. It would add to it and well, it's very likely that you have the spiritual gift of knowledge, right? Or for you, like, is there nothing that drives you crazy, right? And you just love everything about Mosaic. Well, you probably have the spiritual gift of discernment. <laughs> just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay, truth is, there's, there are things that drive us all crazy, right? There are. And, and the, the, it's important that you don't ignore it or stuff it, but that you pay attention to that. Right? And rather than going off and be like, well, why do they do this? And why don't they do that? Pay attention because it's probably, you're feeling a need that's probably attached to your spiritual gift. Right? So you need to pay attention to that because honestly, that's one of the ways that God gets our attention and, and reveals to us where there's a need. All right? And so it just may be the Holy Spirit telling you, time to get to work. Time to get to work because we need you. All right? Make us better. Clearly. We need some help. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? It's not perfect. Right? But what is that in you? Pay attention because it's probably connected to how God has uniquely gifted and wired you. Right? What drives you nuts? All right. Third question. Where do you see impact? Where do you see impact? Right? As you look around your life right now, right? Or you look in the wake of your life, where do you see a difference being made? Where do you see impact? Because it's very likely connected to how God has uniquely wired you. And see, nobody ever taught me this as a kid, and, and, and some of you know, like, I grew up in church, and initially, even though I ran from church for a long time in my life, when I was a kid, I committed my life to Jesus at a very young age, even though I didn't understand a lot of what that meant or involved, right? But, but looking back, when I was a kid, I remember praying when I was, like, yay big, less than 10 years old, right, probably eight, seven years old, I remember praying for my YMCA basketball team that they would come to know Jesus, 
right? And then I remember having sleepovers, right, and getting down on our knees and leading, you know, Danny Klumper to Christ, you know? And then I remember with Chuck Veen, tough kid, really tough kid, brawler, loved the guy, led him to Jesus, you know? Nobody told me to do that. I just started doing it, you know? And it wasn't until my mid-20s where I was like, I think I might have the spiritual gift of evangelism, you know? But if somebody would have told me, like, I look back, it's like, well, yeah, you think? Right? And so, so for you, like, what, what is that thing? Right? What are those things where you look and it's like there's, there's a difference being made? Right? So do you have a knack of stepping in where there's, like, a lot of conflict and bringing peace to that situation? Well, that's, that's not normal. I definitely don't have that gift. Right? I create the conflict. If God's given you a gift to put the conflict to rest, we need your help. Right? That's probably connected to a spiritual gift. Right? Or for you, like, do, you, do you have people who repeatedly come to you for counsel right, when they need wise advice on how to move forward? It's probably connected to your spiritual gift. You probably have a spiritual gift of wisdom in there somewhere, some kind of form of it. Right? Or do, do people come to you when they're struggling to understand something in the scriptures? Right? They're just kind of muddy on it. They don't really get a grasp of it, and they come to you. And when they leave, they have a pretty good grasp on this thing. You make it simple and understandable for them. That is probably a spiritual gift, very likely. Connected spiritual gift of teaching or something like it, right? Or do you love giving? And when you step in and you give, right, it just has this, this profound ability to affect the spirit of a person, right? So even if it's just that day, like it builds them up and encourages them in this, this way that a cream-filled donut just shouldn't do on its own, right? Well, for you, it's very likely that that is connected to a spiritual gift, right? Because you're doing something simple, but it's an increased God-given capacity. God's working through you. So what is that for you? Right, where is their impact? Right, the biblical word for that language is fruit. Right, where's the fruit of your life? Right, and then lastly, number four, and this one might be the most important at all, the most telling of all, is this. Right, what do others affirm in you? Right, what do others affirm in you? Right, it's, it's really great to, to ask, and you need to ask what, what you love. What makes you come alive? Right, what, what keeps you up at night? Right, but you also have to process that through the lens of what have people actually affirmed in you as being good and being there, right? And so I've, I've talked, I think, about this probably before, but there's something like I like to call American Idol Syndrome, you know? And, and like, I know it's not like the big show anymore, but there was a long time where American Idol like, was the show. You remember that? And, and it wasn't like the last three weeks that made the show so great, right? It was the first three weeks. You know, I always tuned in for the first three weeks because you had all these people, right? These, these poor people who wait in line for days, and they show up and they're like, God has put a song in me, you know. I have a destiny to sing in front of thousands of people, you know. And then they get up there and the judges are like, please never do that again. Right? Don't quit your day job. It's not there. You're horrible. I'm a worse person for hearing you sing. Right? Simon Cowell will say something like that. Right? But it is important because it's impossible to be unbiased about yourself, right? We all have blind spots. We all have things that we want to be true of us that are not. And, as the film clip would have showed you, um, there are also things that we come to believe about ourselves that just simply aren't true. Right? And it takes somebody looking at us, looking in us, and saying, right, this, this is in you, and I see it. Right? I, it's in you, and I see it. Right? And so when I was in, uh, you know, in college, my first ministry gig was working for Campus Life. And for two years, I felt like the biggest failure to ever go into ministry. Um, I wasn't good at what I did. I felt like I was striking out every single day. And part of my job was doing this, getting up in front of high school kids and talking about Jesus. And I was bad, really bad. I really was. Um, if you ask Quintrell, Brian Marine, they were there. It was just bad. 
right? And so I remember sitting down with who was one of my mentors at that time, and I said, dude, I'm just at a point in my life where I know that if I have any gifts, they're not upfront gifts. I'm going to be giving and serving, like, behind the scenes for the rest of my life, and I'm totally cool with that, right? But I just realized this thing about myself. And Brian looked at me, and he said, you know, I appreciate that sentiment, right? The heart behind it, that's all good, but you are full of crap, right? He said, because you may not see it in you, but I see it in you. That there's an ability there. There's a gift there. It just hasn't been developed or cultivated yet, right? And that's why it's so important that you don't do this church thing alone. And it's also one of the reasons why it's so important that you actually begin to serve so that we as a community of faith can begin to say, you know what, I I see this in you. It's there, and and you may not see it yet, may not be developed yet, but it's there, and we see it. So lean into that, right? Lean into that. You see, if if you're in Christ, right, if if you're a follower of Jesus, you cross that line of faith, you have to know that God has put something in you that is incredibly important and extraordinary, and it needs to be shared with the world. But you also need to know that a thing has been put in you, but it's not for you, right? It's for others, right? Put it a different way, you have been gifted to give, right? You have been gifted by God to give, to serve others, to build other people up, right? And when you don't, we as the church, we're not the same, right? With the whole metaphor of the body of Christ, the church, right? If God has created you to be a foot and you decide, I don't like that, I don't want to, I'm not going to be a foot, right? We as the body of Christ, like as a community of faith, like we can move without one of the feet, but we're not going to move very well, right? We can hobble along, right? But there's a lot of things we're not going to be able to do. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to take a lot more work and a lot more pain, and we're going to be a lot more limited as a church, right? And so if you have been wired to be a foot, we need you to be a foot. If God has given you a gift to administrate, we need you to administrate. Whatever that thing is, even no matter how small, we need you to do it. We need you to do it because we miss out. We're not the same. We're not the same when you don't. See, you've got to understand something. When you come in on a Sunday morning, this takes a lot of work. A lot of work to make this happen. And so there, there are people who work tirelessly and serve themselves to create an environment where it's a safe place to bring people who don't believe like maybe you or I believe. Right, and there, is, there are teams of people who, who carry in two truckloads full of stuff every single week, set it all up. They're sweating. It's ugly. They do it anyway. Right? And then when it's all done, we all sweat and tear it down and put it back in these trailers and take them where they go. Right, they, the, band, right, the band has to go. Um, we no longer have an office space. Right? We're a mobile church. So they literally have to take their sound, their sound equipment, go to a practice space, practice, craft an environment for us, tear it down, bring it here on Sunday, set it back up, play, right, and then tear it down again. It's so much work, but they do it for us, right, so that we can worship and experience God's presence through music, right, so people can come in who don't believe in God, and we can create a conducive environment for them to bump into Jesus in a space like this. There are people who do this in their homes all week long in life groups to create a safe space for people to connect, to know and be known, to begin to take their next step and their next step with Jesus, Right? There are people who serve our kids every single week. Serve some of your kids so that they can use their spiritual gift of teaching to teach them about Jesus and press that love and grace so deep in their heart. Right? Or just to create the opportunity for you to participate in here without a hundred crying kids because it would be chaos and horrible. Right? We've got people who, who, who serve coffee just to connect with people. 
right? Just to be present. People who send notes to first-time guests, just to know we care, you, we're, you know, like we notice you. If you want to get coffee and, and bump, bounce anything off us or learn more about Mosaic, we're there. I mean, I could give you so many different examples of this, right? But we do it and we do it and we do it because we are a part of the body of Christ. And here's what ends up happening when, if you have a gift, you don't use it. Is that those who, who work so hard to create this thing, is they work and they work and work and, they, and we create and we put it out there. And for those of you who call Mosaic home, you come and you don't use the gift that God has given you. You consume and consume. Sometimes, oftentimes, what ends up happening is at the other end of that, there's nothing left for those who don't know Jesus. We don't have the time, the energy, the bandwidth, the creativity, the money to take risks, to create what's not there, to press deeper into our city, into the nooks and the crannies and the alleyways where the church has been afraid to go. So much of that gets lost because a very small percentage of people, right, for us it's a little bit bigger than the average church, but still relatively, you know, not a great percentage of people are working so hard to create this thing. And so I'm just telling you, we need you. We need you. Not to maintain, you understand? Because that's not the vision, to just keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep doing this, but we have so much more that we feel like God has called us to. We have ministries to start. We have people to send. We have campuses to launch. We have churches to send out. Right? We have every intention of doing those things. But in order for us to do it, it's going to take you being faithful to what God has placed inside of you. Your unique contribution that God has given you to play a part in what God is doing in our city and in our world. So just so you know, you don't have to, but you're invited. Right? And we would love to help you figure out what that is. And if you have absolutely no idea, the best place to start is to pick up a shovel, right, to roll up your sleeves and just start serving. What's going to end up happening is you're going to find there's some things that you do really well and some things that you don't, right? And you're going to connect with other people. And some people are going to say, you know what, I see this in you. Don't waste this. Develop this. There's greatness in you. You might not see it, but I do. Don't neglect your gift. Right? Put it to work. Or we have to remember, more important than your spiritual gift is simply serving. Right? Because we serve a God who laid it all out for us. Right? Who in the flesh literally rolled up his sleeves, wrapped a towel around his waist, right? And, dry, and washed the filthy feet of the very men who would betray him. Right? And he says, this is what it looks like to follow me. This is what it looks like to see the kingdom of God move forward. Right? In the kingdom of God, the first are last and the last are first. Right? Not even the Son of Man, the Son of God, came to be served, but to serve and lay his life down as a ransom for many. So we got places to go. we got things to do. Right? And we would love for you to be a part of it. And here's the thing. This might be a little strong. This isn't in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. Right? The thing is, right, if you're not a follower of Jesus, just water off a duck's back. I'm not talking to you right now. Right? This is, a lot of what we do is for you. Consume everything. You don't have to give anything. Right? But if you're in Christ and you're a follower of Jesus, and you just got to know, you're here, and you're a part of a church, you're part of Mosaic, but you have no intention of ever actually being a part of Mosaic, a part of the movement, to actually serve and be a part of this, then my hope and prayer is that one day you would leave to go find a community where you can do that, right? Or at least that you believe in enough, or you trust the leadership enough to do that. Because there are parts of you that you will never discover, and there are people that will never be reached, and never be loved, and potentially never know Jesus if you never use that great thing, that unique thing that God has placed inside of you, right? And so as passionately and authentically and honestly as I can say it, please don't waste your life 
Please don't waste your gift. There's too much to do, and you're too important to the mission. Let's pray. Lord God, I, I thank you for the opportunity to just be a part of what you're doing. Just a small part. Right? And I hope and, and I pray that anyone who is listening to this, those of us in the room right now, those watching online or, or tuning into the podcast, would hear the spirit behind this. Because this is not about making people, people feel guilty right? or condemning people who aren't pulling their own weight. Because we've all been there. And we will all have seasons where we just need to receive and we just need to heal and we just need to be for a while. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? But that you would allow us just to hear the spirit of this, that you have put something so great and so important inside every person who is in Christ that we dare not waste it. Each life in here is too important to not be a part of what you're doing in the world. And as somebody who has been so wounded by the church and leaders of the church at times, and at times I've spent long seasons of my life avoiding this very thing, right, a person who feels more comfortable in bars than most churches on any given day, I have no hesitations, Lord, calling people to this because I know that the church is the business that you're in. And I'm biased, yes, but I didn't get into this business for the money, that's for sure. Right, that the business is, this, this is the business you're in, that Jesus, you are building your church, that Jesus, you thought the church was worth dying for. So would you help us see that? Would you help us to remember that you said, you know what, as great as it is that I'm here right now, it's actually better that I go and send my spirit to you because once you have my spirit, you are gonna begin to turn cities upside down with the gospel. And that is why we exist and that is why we are here. And so Lord God, I have no hesitations just trying to be obedient to you, to call all of us, myself included, to give our best to what you're doing through the church. The best of us, the best of our time, the best of our money, the best of our talent, the best of our spiritual gifts to be a part of it because this is where the action is. And I'm not just talking about Sunday, I'm talking Monday through Saturday. So Lord God, I just ask you to give us a vision for that. Give us the courage to step in strip us of our fear, of our insecurity, of all the things that make us feel less than, so that we can see what's actually true. And that is that we have an incredibly important role to play. And it may not be doing great acts of love that everybody can see and appreciate, but as Mother Teresa said, small acts done with great love. That even the smallest acts done with great love has the potential to change a life. And so Lord God, do your thing. Do your thing in us. Do your thing through us. May it be so.